Well, today is the day that um, I get to preach this morning, get to speak to you guys this morning, and uh, we're kicking off our Bible engagement project today, and uh, as you heard us talk about earlier during the announcements, and, um, and so this morning we're going to be kicking, we're kicking that off, not just in this room, but in all of our classrooms, from the youngest to clear up through, and in our youth ministry on Wednesday night this week, we're kicking off Bible engagement, in our community groups this week, we're kicking off Bible engagement and um, such an awesome opportunity for us to encounter God and encounter His Word and engage with Him and spend time listening to what He has for us this morning. And um, before we dive into God's Word this morning, I, I do have a one more announcement kind of idea that I wanted to share with you, and that is um, that we are going to remain in a one-service, 10 a.m. environment through the first of the year. I know that there were some questions about that from some of our, our leaders and you know, those who are planning and for those of you who are attending church going, when are we going to do this? We're going to stay in, in one service environment through the first of the year and, um, and reevaluate in January. And I just want to thank you as a church for your flexibility in that and working with us and being patient with us as we, uh, as we discover where, where, where God wants us to go as a church. It's awesome to see, uh, see the growth that we've experienced, but I think it's also awesome to see the community that, is take, that takes place as well. And as we dive into Bible engagement, I mean, that's what Bible engagement, this project is all about, is community. It's about unity. And so we're going to try to stay in the one service environment as, as long as we can until the need comes for us to, to move to a two service environment. So, um, well, this morning, uh, we're going to be diving in, like I said, into Bible engagement project. And uh, we are in, we're in volume one, session one. So every week you're going to hear us say this. I'm just, I'm just getting it out there. We're going to hear us every week. We're going to say that because it helps our community group leaders to know, hey, this week, this is where we're going as a community group. Volume one, session one, they have a calendar as well. So volume one, session one. And um, with every start of a new volume, we have a scripture verse that we're going to memorize. You've heard us talk about this, a scripture verse that we're going to memorize together um, as we walk through this. And so um, today we are going to look at the theme verse for the next few weeks. And um, it is Psalm 119.11. It says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And if you didn't notice when you came in, there was a huge red etch-a-sketch on the wall. It's, it's huge. It's very large. And um, but it is awesome because it holds this faith verse. And so every time we walk into our lobby, we're going to see that Etch-A-Sketch with the, with the theme verse, with the faith verse on it for that volume and, and series. And so last week you heard Pastor Paul talk about the renewing of our minds and how our lives are transformed when our minds are renewed by the Word of God. And um, part of how we're going to encourage that renewing of our minds is through memorizing God's Word. And so over the next few months and, and weeks, you're going to hear this, hear different faith verses come out, and um, we're going to have them in that Etch-A-Sketch out there. And the Etch-A-Sketch was the illustration from last week's sermon that, you know, we can make our plans, but God has designed us a certain way. And so we, uh, when our minds are renewed, it's like shaking the Etch-A-Sketch, right? And the, the stuff goes away. We get a clean slate to, to start all over kind of again, you know, that sort of idea. So um, cool illustration for that. And so um, this morning... Let's just do something. It's okay, to, it's okay to do this this morning, right? Can you, guys, uh, can you guys stand with me just one more time? Stand with me one more time. Okay. You good? You good? Can we say this verse together? You ready? Say this. Say this together. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. 
Psalm 119.11. Amen. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119.11. Can we do it one more time? I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119.11. Thank you. You may be seated this morning. The goal is that we memorize these scriptures, right? If we say it a few times together, we read it on a screen. This week, and you're in your community groups, you encourage each other, you talk about the, talk about the, the theme verse for, for the volume. It's going to get embedded in our hearts, right? And when the Word of God is embedded in our hearts, that's when our minds begin to be, to be renewed. We begin to think about this verse, right? How do we know how we should live our lives? Because I've hidden God's Word in my heart that I might not sin against him. And so as we, as we, as we dive into this uh, Bible engagement project, you're going to get the word of God memorized inside of you, in your heart. And so this morning I get to kick off the first week. And um, this week is unique compared to the rest because we're not actually diving into the Bible stories yet. This week is kind of the setup, right? Like I get to set up for next week as we go into Bible engagement and we start with the start in the beginning of the Bible with, with creation next week. And um, so this morning, um, the title of the message is Our Journey Begins Encountering Jesus. And um, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 24 and uh, verses 13 to 35. So if you have your Bibles and you want to go ahead and turn there with me this morning, um, I want to help you out and get you set up to where we're at in Scripture. See, um, right before we get to Luke chapter 24, verse 13, Jesus um, had, had, Jesus had uh, just been put on trial. He had been crucified. He had been beaten. And uh, he had been buried in a grave. And then we find ourselves here in Luke chapter 24, and, um, and this, is, this is the same day that Jesus had, had, had risen from the grave, as his resurrection had taken place. And so we find ourselves here in Luke 24, um, verse 13, and I'm going to read, read this, uh, we're going to read the passage together, and then we're going to dive into a few principles that we see in it this morning. So it says in verse 13, it says, now the same day that day, two of them are going to a village called Emmaus. Now, these are two followers of Jesus, um, not necessarily two disciples, uh, like of the 12 disciples, but two disciples, other disciples, other followers of Jesus, were, were, called to a, were on their way to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. They were talking with each other about, you know, what had just happened in Jerusalem. Jesus had just been um, beaten, you know, crucified and put into a tomb. So that's what they're, they're talking about, everything that's just taken place in Jerusalem. And as they talked and discussed uh, these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. They were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you, the on, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? What things, he asked. Jesus said, what things? And they replied, about Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him, him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped 
that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since it all took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman, women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, Jesus said to them, How foolish are you, and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him, they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and, and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that your word would... Uh, be alive in our hearts. God, I pray that you would let me clearly communicate uh, what you have uh, placed on my heart this morning to share uh, about Bible engagement and encountering you, Lord. God, I pray that you would uh, touch my body, that I'd be able to communicate effectively. Lord, I pray that you would open our ears to hear what you would have for us today. Jesus, we give this to you, and it's your name I pray. Amen. Amen. See, this morning, um, these, these guys were walking on the road, and Jesus, their leader, right, who they've been following, um, following after, walking with, um, kind of like, you know, learning from, you know, like he was somebody that they watched, that they, that they looked up to. He, uh, he was just beaten, right? He was just crucified. He was just put on trial. He was just put in a tomb. And, um, and here they are walking away from Jerusalem, talking about everything that had just taken place. And, um, and Jesus himself visits them on the road and walks with them. And um, this morning, I want to look at three ways Jesus' followers are impacted by encountering him. Because I believe these two guys' lives were impacted whenever they encountered Jesus on the road to Emmaus. And so I want to look back at the story, and we're going to look at three different ways that I believe that their lives were impacted when they encountered Jesus on the road to Emmaus. And I believe the first way that their lives were impacted is that encountering Jesus changed their attitude. I believe encountering Jesus changed their attitude. See, the disciples had just witnessed Jesus, their hero, their Messiah, the person who was coming. They had hoped, as you read in scriptures, they were telling Jesus, they had hoped that he was going to be the one to redeem Israel, to lead a revolution, to free, free Israel from the Roman Empire. The person they had followed and devoted their lives to, they had just witnessed him be brutally beaten, whipped, punished, and put to death, and his body put in a tomb. And and when Jesus shows up and he asks, what just happened? It says that they stood there with their face downcast. 
Everything they hoped for was going to happen, hoped was going to happen, ended with the death and burial of Jesus. And Cleopas basically looks at Jesus and says, "Do you live under a rock? Like, are you the only one? You can't be the only one in Jerusalem that doesn't that, that you don't. How do you not know what just happened, right? Like, how could you not know the things that have just happened? And then they begin to tell Jesus their version." Of what has happened. And, and I can only imagine them telling Jesus this in like an Eeyore tone of voice, right? Like, our hero, Jesus, right? Like, he said he was going to lead a revolution, but then he ended up on trial, and then he was crucified, and the story's over. It's ended. Do you live under a rock? Like, how could you not know what just happened in Jerusalem? And I love that after they tell the whole story, and Jesus, Jesus being Jesus, looks at them and goes, How foolish are you? He called them out. Like, he basically just called them out, right? He goes, How foolish are you? How slow are you? Like, I mean, that's what he says. He said, How slow are you to believe? And then he began to talk to them about the scriptures, the truths of God's word with them. And sometimes when we encounter Jesus, let's just be real, we need an attitude adjustment. How many of you guys are parents and you like give your child an attitude adjustment? You've ever said that phrase? My mom used to use that all the time. She used to say, you need a, Robert Jeremy, you need an attitude adjustment. Mom said that, I was in trouble. And, uh, well, we won't say if the wooden spoon came out and where it went, but anyhow, um, but often I find myself in this disciple's shoes, right? In my life, I find myself sometimes as the Eeyore, right? Saying, this just happened, then ju- this just happened, and it wasn't supposed to happen. Jesus was supposed to be our hero, our revolutionary. He was supposed to redeem Israel from the Roman Empire. But now he's in a grave, and, and even today we found out that his body's not even in the grave. Like some ladies said that, he was gone and they had visions of angels, right? So, so now he isn't in the grave. His body's missing. How terrible is that? And sometimes Jesus has to adjust my attitude and say, how foolish are you? How foolish are you? Didn't you listen to my teachings? Didn't you see what I have done and how I've been faithful? If Jesus fulfilled the prophecy, Jesus tells them, he says, if I fulfilled the prophecies of the Old Testament, do you think maybe I'm a different type of Messiah than what you were looking for? Do you think that maybe I am the one that was prophesied about, the one that would save people not from a physical enslavement to the Roman Empire, but from a, phys- from a spiritual enslavement to sin? Never been there? Ever had an attitude adjustment? I remember specifically one attitude adjustment just a few years ago that, that I had by Jesus. And, and to this day, I still, I still think about this. Is, you know, Christy and I spent eight years trying to have a family. And when it came to the topic about having a family, I got very Eeyore-ish. I don't even know if that's a word. But I got Eeyore-ish about it. It was never going to happen. I had lost hope that it could happen. And I remember reading Scripture and I remember one day, I was reading, and I remember Jesus in my quiet time, I remember just hearing him speak to me. If I can split the Red Sea, 
If I can heal the blind with mud, if I can cause Sarah at 90 years old to get pregnant and give birth to Isaac, what makes you think I can't do the same for you? And he didn't do it the way that I thought he would do it. I thought maybe, you know, we would go have a pregnancy test and all of a sudden, you know, it would be like, oh, a miracle happened, you know, yada, yada, yada. But he did it through a miracle of healing with the miracle of science. See, when we encounter Jesus, it changes our attitude, right? It changes the way we look at our situations. When we see their attitude change, now instead of moping down the road, right, walking seven miles down the road, instead of, instead of asking Jesus and saying, do you, do you live under a rock? Their attitude changes and they say, will you stay with us? Will you eat with us? Stay with us tonight. Like, think about that. They went from, I don't even know who you are. Like, how can you, how can you not know? Like, maybe they're asking him, are you the slow one? Like, I don't understand, right? To saying, will you stay with us? Will you eat with us? See, when we encounter Jesus through his word and we let it begin to transform our lives, just like Jesus gave the word to these, these two men, it begins to renew our mind to see and to see that we want more of him. An encounter with Jesus isn't a once and done thing. He invites us to keep coming back. He's in the scriptures it says to the well that never runs dry. We begin to desire to spend more time with him. See, when their attitudes changed, so did their perspective. So did their perspective. It says that when they were sitting at the table eating, that their eyes were opened and they recognized him. The encounter with the word of God changed their attitude and they saw that even though the revolution didn't happen the way that they thought it was supposed to happen, or they thought that it was going to happen, that the Messiah had truly risen from the grave. And it was he that was at dinner with them. Think about that moment, what that must have been like. Like I put myself in those shoes and I go, the moment that the guy that I'm sitting at the dinner table with, with Jesus the Messiah, the guy that he raised... He raised from the dead. Now, immediately he disappeared in that, that, that moment. But our attitudes often limit the lens through which we can view life. And this is why it's important that when we are encountering Jesus through his word, that, we, that when we encounter Jesus through his word, our lens begins to change, right? Like we begin to not look at life through our own Eeyore-ish eyes, but we begin to see life through the way that Jesus intended it to be, true life that he calls us to. So first, I believe that Encountering Jesus changed their attitude. Number two is encountering Jesus changed their direction. And their direction they were walking here was away from Jerusalem towards Emmaus. In verse 13, it says that. It says they were walking away, they were walking away from Jerusalem towards Emmaus. And, 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 and I think in part of me goes that they were walking away from the years they had invested in life, in, of their life following Jesus. They were walking away from maybe disappointments. They were walking away from everything that had just happened in their past. They were talking about it, but they were, they were walking away from it. Maybe some disappointment was in their life. Things were going to get rough for the followers of Jesus in Jerusalem. They knew that. And so let's just walk away from it. And I think that oftentimes in our lives, when things don't turn out the way that we expect them to turn out, we do the very same things. We turn and we walk away from them. It's, sometimes it's easy to walk away, to leave maybe memories behind and start over. 
Sometimes it's easy to walk away from difficult situations. Isn't that what our culture tells us to do? Like, take the easy way out? Like, doesn't it often, oftentimes we, we're told to don't take the hard road, look for the easy way out of situations, easy way out of conversations, easy way out of circumstances. But when Jesus shows up on the scene and they hear the stories of Moses, they hear the stories of, of the prophets and how the prophecies concerning Jesus were fulfilled in their midst, when they encounter the living, breathing Word of God, see, John says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, right? So Jesus, living, breathing Word of God, whenever that happens, they at, it says in verse 32, they ask themselves, were not our hearts burning within us while he taught? Were not our hearts burning within us while he explained the scriptures to us? Their hearts burned within them. And I think that oftentimes we feel our hearts burning within us, but we just turn and we just do, don't, don't, we walk away. We walk away from it. Jesus says, the heart burning inside of you is my, is my, my Holy Spirit encountering you to change your direction. Sometimes when I open the word of God, my heart burns in agreement with the writings of the psalmist, right? In, in praising God. Sometimes when I, sometimes my heart burns when I read the writings of Paul correcting my way of living. It burns in conviction, right? Of, of things in my life that I need to, I need to, I need to get right. This is why memorizing scripture is so important. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. My heart will burn with conviction whenever there's things that aren't right in my life. See, when their hearts began to burn, it caused them to act. See, encountering Jesus didn't just change the direction of their heart, but it changed their physical direction. They didn't just continue on their journey or get out their cots and and go to bed after dinner. It, It says that they did something. It says that they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. It literally changed their physical direction from walking away from the, from what had happened to walking back to tell the good, to tell others about what has happened. See, Psalm 119, 105 says this. It says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. And see, the word of God isn't just a light for our path in the future, in front of us in the future. But it's a lamp to guide our feet where we are now. And I think that the, that's what happened to these disciples. They realized that like, the direction that we're on, where I'm standing right now, isn't where I'm supposed to be. Where I'm standing right now isn't where the Messiah had called us, the way the Messiah had called us to live while he was, while he was on earth teaching us. The lamp is for our feet to help us change direction, and the light is for our path to show us the way to go. And if you all didn't know, hunting season, the season of hunting is upon us, right? And if you guys know, you guys know that I love to hunt. I love to be out in the woods. And whitetail season, whitetail archery season came in uh, the past couple of weeks, depending on where you live in the state of PA. And um, you know, this year with Zeb, I've, I've, I've told Christy, I'm taking a sabbatical from hunting. Although she has asked me when I'm going to go buy my license and how soon I'm going to be out in the woods. And I don't know if that's her trying to get rid of me or if she just knows that it's a desire that I like to do. We'll figure that out as time goes. So you might find me out in the woods at some point in the near future. But anyhow, I love the woods. And in the last couple of years, I've had a couple of ground blinds set up in some public lands you know, up, up around outside of Sellersville there. And um, 
And I had one, one set up about a mile back into the game lands, and uh, David Princely actually happened upon my blind one day uh, while he was out there hunting. And uh, so I had one set up about a mile, and then I had another blind set of, oh man, probably like two and a half miles back in. It's pretty, it was pretty far back in there. And, um, and so, you know, whenever you're hunting, like, you, you want to get into your blind before daylight, right? Like, you want to get into your blind so everything's, you get in there, you get settled down, everything quiet, before the sun begins to rise, before it becomes, before it becomes daylight. So, you know, for me, it's like, get to the game lands at least an hour to an hour and a half before, because remember, I have to walk from the parking area that mile or two and a half miles back to wherever those blinds are. And, um, can, can I tell you how hard it is to follow a path in the dark, in the woods that you don't know? I mean, it's, 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 pretty, it's pretty hard. And even a path that I've walked multiple times, like I set up the blind and, you know, I'm out there during the day before season, in and out, you know, mainly so I can recognize, well, that little skinny, I mean, I know my one blind, you walk back this path, there's this one little skinny pine tree that's like kind of in the middle of the path. And it looks like the Charlie Brown Christmas tree, honestly, is what it looks like. So I knew when I got the Charlie Brown's Christmas tree, I turned right. And I went back in that way, and it would take me back to a, to a rock. And then I go left at the rock, and it would take me over to my blind. Honestly, this is how I remember these things. So, so you get there during the day. It's like, oh, I can find it. It's easy. I remember the first morning I showed up there, and it was dark out. And I went to walk back in there. I was like, how do I find a green pine tree? You know... Is that a pine tree? No, that's just a stick. You know, you walk a little bit further down the path and you're like, is that a pine, pine tree? I can't really tell. You know, you're like trying to find the, the little pine tree that's on the path. And um, so a, a guy in our church gave me this little light. Can you see this little, little green light? So this little green light in here, like you can't even see it on the stage. And um, maybe if I shine in your eyes, you'll be able to see it. But uh, it's a little, a little green light. And he gave me this. And this light is, is, is perfect because it helps me find the path, right? This little light helps me find, find the path to where I need to go. I can see my feet, and I can see a few steps in front of me. That's about it. I can't really see that far in front of me. I can see my feet and a few steps in front of me. And I believe that when we encounter Jesus through his word, the point of his word is for us to see our feet and to see the next step that he wants us to walk on. The next step in the direction that he's calling us when we encounter him and when we're listening to him. So I believe encountering Jesus, it should change our direction. When we encounter Jesus through his word, it should, it should make us realize where we're at and where he wants us to go. Encountering Jesus didn't just change their attitude. It didn't just change their direction. But I believe the third, probably most important, is it, it restored life to them. See, we see the disciples and now have, a, these, these disciples, these followers of Jesus, now have a restored purpose, a new hope, that what Jesus had taught them in the past, the Jesus that they had followed for many years, that, that it wasn't all for nothing, that he really was a different Messiah. And they had just seen him. And it says they got up and they returned at once to Jerusalem, and they found the other eleven and said, It is true, the Lord has risen. He appeared to us and he talked with us and he ate dinner with us. And it all fits together with how Moses and the prophets 
They all talk, it all fits together now. Like the picture is becoming complete. That what we read in the, in the prophets, the prophecies have been fulfilled. Life for them was restored. Faith was restored. Belief was restored. Their passion for others to know the good news of the Messiah was restored. See, I believe that when we encounter Jesus through his word and we listen for him to speak, when he speaks, we are driven to action, right? And these followers of Jesus were driven to be passionate about him again. It was time to be his ambassador once again. Sometimes over the years, I noticed that even in myself, that, that sometimes it's, it's, it's easy to, uh, to kind of take the back seat on this. To kind of maybe not lose your faith, but become complacent, right? Become like comfortable in where I'm at is where I'm at. And, and this, is where, this is where I'm going to be, right? The passion that we, sometimes we lose the passion that we once had for our faith. Sometimes we lose the passion that we once had for, our, for his word. Sometimes we lose the passion that we once had for others. And I believe this is the reason why this happens is because we're not encountering Jesus. We're not spending time in his presence. We're not spending time in his word listening for him to speak. And I want to pause here for a moment and, and address the issue. I think that sometimes when I read the scripture, is like the elephant in the room. You know, Paul and I were talking this week about this, and he asked me the question. He goes, so why couldn't they recognize Jesus? Right? Because that's the first question I ask. Like, why couldn't they recognize Jesus? Because it, it, says, it says, and it says in verse 16 that they were kept from recognizing him. Why were they kept from recognizing him? See, I don't know the answer to this question as to why. But this is my answer as to the why. Does that make sense? I don't know if I know there's a theological answer to that question. But I believe that if they had recognized him right away, they wouldn't have had the opportunity to encounter him in the same way and listen to his word the way that they were able to in the moment, the way that the the story took place. Does that make sense? Because encountering the word of God is what changed their life. It's what changed their direction. It's what changed their attitude. It's what brought life back to them. And I'm going to ask our worship team to come this morning. See, our world and culture says that true life looks like something else, right? It, all, it looks like something that I don't have, right? It doesn't matter who you are. You know, true life looks like what they have, what she has, what, what you, know, you see on TV. That's what true life is. But true life really comes from encountering Jesus, True life comes when our lives are built on the, on the solid rock of the Word of God. That when storms rage and wind blows, we will not be shaken because our lives are built on the truth of who God is and, and upon His Word. True life is only found through encountering Jesus and listening to what He says. And as we start this new season in Bible engagement as a church, it gives us the opportunity to encounter Jesus every day. Every day. Through devotionals, through family devotions, through community groups, encountering Jesus through His Word. And maybe this morning you find yourself, maybe you are, maybe you find yourself journeying on the road with an attitude that is downcast. Maybe you find yourself this morning looking at the circumstances around you, or the situations around you, or the what is going on in our world and in our culture, and 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 and, and, and life. You feel like hope is lost. This morning, there's hope that is found by encountering Jesus through his word. Maybe this morning you find yourself running away from difficult situations or walking away from what may represent truth in your life. 
This morning, let me encourage you that no matter what you're walking through, Jesus is with you. His lamp is for your feet, where you're at, and a light to illuminate your path of where he's calling you to. A transformation of our lives through renewing of our minds, a different direction for our heart, and maybe you even need a physical change of direction, and he's calling you to something else this morning. That can be found through encountering Jesus through his word. His path restores life. His path is restoration. His path is redemption. See, it may not always be easy. See, for these disciples, if they would have, when they went back to Jerusalem, they were running back towards persecution. They were running back towards things that would have been very difficult. But their belief was restored in who Jesus was. That he was who he said he was. The spiritual Messiah that came to redeem the world. And maybe this morning that's you. Maybe you need to experience restoration. Maybe you need to experience restoration in in a relationship. Maybe you need to experience restoration in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus says, come to me. Psalm 23 says that when we encounter Jesus, he restores our soul. Our lives over the next weeks and months will be changed as we intentionally encounter Jesus. That's what Bible engagement is all about, encountering Jesus through the story of the Bible. And oftentimes I know that we come to Scripture and, and, and we read it like we do any other book. You know, every night I read Zeb a, a, a book before we go to bed, you know, some sort of bedtime story. And oftentimes that's the way we read the Bible. Like we just pick it up like it's any other book. You know, most of his books I have memorized by now, the same three. If I have to read a book about a duck again, I'm going to, yeah, anyhow. But I, I, have, you know, I have them mostly all memorized. But oftentimes that's the way that we come to Scripture. It's just words on a page. But whenever we recognize that when we open God's Word, that we get to encounter Him, we're encountering the living, breathing Jesus, the Messiah, that He wants to change our lives, that He wants to speak to us. And the question really comes down to it is, are you listening? Are you listening? We look at this story this morning and we see how these followers of Jesus' lives were changed through an encounter with him. The question is, are you listening? Is your heart burning? Are you taking a step in a new direction? Are you encountering him? Every day there's an opportunity to encounter Jesus through his word. And it's up to us. It truly is the balls in our court, whether we're going to engage, whether we're going to encounter him or not. That's really the point of why we're doing Bible engagement as a church. So that we can encounter him from the youngest to the oldest. This week in your community groups, there's a reflection question that I'm going to ask you guys to really discuss. It's not really in, it's in like the personal reflection section of the, of the, of the, of the small group material. But this is the question that I want you to dive deeper into. And it's this, it says, what is one area of your life that you hope to encounter Jesus in on this listen journey? On this journey, really, you know, it's called listen, on the journey that we're on as a church. What is one area of your life that you hope to encounter Jesus in? Maybe it's in your attitude towards life. Maybe it's in a specific circumstance. Maybe it's in your faith. 
Maybe it's in a relationship. I don't know what you're walking through this morning, but I can tell you that Jesus is waiting for you to encounter him this morning. And as the worship team uh, plays this morning, they're going to sing a song. I encourage you, if you want to take a picture of this slide, um, it'll, however you want to do that so you, have, so you have it, I'm going to ask you to take a few moments this morning. Grab one of the note cards in the seat pocket in front of you. And um, maybe you want to sit and ponder and, and reflect upon, what is it? What area do I want to encounter Jesus in? What intentional area am I digging into God's word? for direction in, for find healing in, to, to encounter him in. I'm going to ask our worship team if they would go ahead and lead us this morning as they sing. Would you think about that this morning? Would you let the Holy Spirit open your heart say, God, and the song they're going to sing is called Make Room. And would you say, God, I'm making room for you. Speak to me this morning. Guide me. Give me, give me eyes to see what area that you want me to encounter you in as we journey through this, this in this season.